let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Hello and welcome to Monday Evening Football Babble. Uh, there's four of us on tonight. Phil, Breton, Cousin Maud and Steve. Hello lads. Steve. Hello. Hello there. Um, Was that, I did I hear it back there? Did Breton hit record there? Is that what I, I heard? It's all, it's, yes, it's recording. <laughs> Jack, all right? The call's fucking recording. Basically, <laughs> I did a podcast. I'm just going to tell them. I don't care. I did a podcast with Kelly Gates this morning for the football battle and it didn't record even though it was brilliant but thankfully she's amazing she's agreed to come back on a later date and we're not going to tell anyone when that's happening nothing and then I will just post it out and it's all here so just keep in mind that's coming and we'll move on um, loads has happened in this week in the weekend of football where Arsenal won at Leicester Aaron Ramsdale brilliant performance uh, Chelsea had a big win at Newcastle and obviously the results going their way in other games Palace beating City and Liverpool getting away with it and getting a draw and played against Brighton um, the great one Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saving bacon again to stay in charge good man mm-hmm. Oliver thank you um, and he played a bit of 4D chess as Liam Toomey pointed out where he managed to disguise himself as Antonio Conte beat Spurs but then who then sacked Nuno and are now about to hire Antonio Conte which means and doesn't take his job. You have to commend him for that, I actually think. It's absolute genius. The silence from Steve is <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I refuse to engage in any positivity around Manchester United at the moment. Well, look, the big story, thankfully for us, a football story broke on the day we're doing a podcast. And the big story today, obviously, was that. Nuno Espirito Santo was relieved of his duties at Spurs, and it now looks like they're going to get Antonio Conte in. First off, Steve, Nuno at Spurs, it just never felt right. Well, it worked as long as Harry Kane wasn't in the side, and then as soon as Harry Kane came back, it went to shite because he wasn't trying at all. So, I Jonathan mean, I think, likes this. I think like, it's incredible that so much blame has been put on Nuno when, like, you know, the, the fucking elephant in the room is the England captain or like, you know. Um I, I just think it's it's just weird. Um it was never a good fit, but no more than Mourinho was. Like they've had a couple of really, really poor choices. Uh, I think Jonathan made a really good point in, in the group chat today where like yes, yeah, Spurs keep getting bigger names than than Arsenal and even Chelsea to, to come and manage their club, but it's not necessarily turning out for the best. Um, and I can't help but feel that Conte might go the same way as well. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think they, they, it's a, it's a club that badly needs to get rid of Harry Kane before they can think about turning any corners. Brett, at, at what point, and Johnny, coming in here too, at, at what point does does Daniel Levy need to look at this, or someone need to look at it and go, right, Daniel, you've been in charge a while now, and you seem to 
be balls and things up? Um, um, probably about two years ago. Um, <laughs> that <clears throat> that's a problem that unfortunately nobody else is going to really fix apart from Daniel Levy. He's kind of um, <clears throat> you saw from the documentary um, that he wants to be the main man, like he wants um, the praise and none of the blame, um, and. I think in particular, like the he wants to keep that reputation that he has for being a um, tough negotiator. Um, when really, you know, this the sensible thing would have been to get rid of Harry Kane when he clearly for the what third season in a row wanted to leave, um, bring in all of the money for him, and you know, start to. To properly rebuild that team, and maybe um, the, the other big decision was getting rid of Pochettino, which now we can see um, with Nuno being, you know, I, I don't blame Nuno either, but I also don't think he was a great fit. Um, <clears throat> and with him being, I don't know what he was, way down the packing order anyway. Um, yep. Yes, it, honestly, I know you're maybe taking the piss, but it was probably something like that. Um, I think it might be right now. <laughs> yeah, like you can say that those two decisions um, have really cost Tottenham, and I don't know. Like Conte, I think does he think Spurs are better than they actually are? Because I don't know if he, you know, if he'll be able to to turn them around. Like there's um. I don't know if you've seen it, the, the quote going around from Conte when he was Chelsea manager. Um, I have it here. Um, he said in 2017, if Tottenham don't win the title, it's not a tragedy. If they don't arrive in the Champions League, it's not a tragedy. If they go out in the first round of the Champions League, it's not a tragedy. If they go out after the first game that they play in the Europa League, it's not a tragedy. Maybe for Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, United and Liverpool, it is a tragedy. So, like, that was him speaking pretty relatively recently um, about how basically small of a club Spurs actually are. Um, so, for that to be in relatively recent history and the players to access that pretty easily, um, it's not going to fill you with massive confidence if you really know that's what you're your manager is thinking. Um, it's I think not kind of refreshing though as well though. Like not to have a manager come in and bullshit you about oh this is a big club who deserve to be like from a player's point of view from a pragmatic player's point of view it's not kind of okay he knows what we are and what we can be. Um, oh, oh, unless so, he comes in and now he starts to, to give that bullshit which I think Oh well, yeah well that's the, that's the trouble. Like I think the, the, the biggest issue the biggest issue for me with Conte as as a hire is like his record of just not staying around teams. Like he's never stayed more than three seasons with a club, and it feels like Spurs are a team in need of some sort of like continuity, like a five year plan. Um, so I saw someone make a really good point today that Spurs are an exceptionally run business, but a terribly run football club. Um, and I think that's a really kind of damning indictment to Daniel Levy and, and, and his time in charge. And like, you don't win any trophies for net spend as much as Liverpool fans would like to think you do. And, you know, Spurs are kind of pride themselves on that kind of side of things as well. And it just goes to show it never, it 
like you know doesn't end up with trophies at the end of the day and they're, well, they they're yeah. argue well I mean they're arguably well, they won the two biggest ones to be fair they're arguably the smallest club in London um in the Premier League at the moment um that's not a great place for Spurs to be at all um especially when you consider how Arsenal started the season as well so um yeah I I don't know I think I. I I think Conte is, it's it's a name, but in the way Mourinho was a name, but I just don't know. Until they get rid of Harry Kane, I think that's that's going to be the, the, the kind of cannonball that drags them down. It's cannonball? You don't play someone down with a cannonball, but you know what I mean. The anchor well, you probably could have heavy enough. Like. Yeah, it would. Yeah, probably. I've never actually tried to drown someone, so it's hard for me to kind of <laughs> put that in context. It is hard Obviously not, but if you're using a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, you're obviously delighted with all of this. So, what is your take on Conte being across the road in North London, potentially at Spurs? Well, they won the league there in August, didn't they? So, <laughs> he's, he's going, isn't he going to the Premier League champions? Because I thought Spurs won the league a couple of months ago, no? Um, I've, he's going into a team that's very old. A team that has a captain that doesn't want to be there. Um, they needed a goal the other day and they brought on Dele Alley. <laughs> I mean, all right. Um, I'm not worried about them one bit. Even if Miguel Arteta isn't um, as good of a manager as as Conte, we have a better a better squad nowadays. Definitely, the young players we've got coming through is superior to to them. Lot. Um, someone's very happy about a goal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a big payday for him, isn't it? It's, he, he's taken advantage of Tottenham being idiots again. Same way Mourinho did. You know, he's going in there for, for a big pay packet. He's spent all his Inter Milan money now, so he needs a few more euro in the bank. I mean, paired from Chelsea too. Yeah. If you, if you've seen the videos going about of, um, Spurs the weekend of their fans in the concourse area, fucking doing rock the boat and all that bullshit. Like that's that's what they're all about, making an absolute dick of themselves every season. It's it's just that absolute banter club. Like they've spent a billion in that stadium, and he's going and forking out big contracts to Mourinho and and Conte. And I think personally, he is a wee bit worried about about Newcastle coming through. They're going to replace them in this so-called big six eventually when they get up and going. Like so, I don't know. Tottenham speak for themselves, you know. They're just. Um, they're they're a bunch of idiots, like and Brenton said about Pochettino. It's, it's like you always say in hindsight, it's you can look back now and you can see that was a bit of a mistake. They didn't back Pochettino at the time. He knew the team needed rebuilt after that Champions League final. They needed new players brought in, younger players who were hungrier for success. <laughs> I know that's kind of funny, success in Tottenham in the same line. Um, but like that Tottenham team's been stale for years. It's the same. Like, I mean, that's probably near enough the same team that played the Champions League final against Liverpool a couple of years ago, and they're still. They should have let go of Harry Kane. Like they would have got over a hundred odd million, and they could have bought a couple of decent young players for that with that money, and they didn't. Like Daniel Levy can't get on. Like he's this hard businessman, and that that's all well and good, but he has been successful in the past with that sort of um, mentality. You know, you looked at Gareth Bale, the money he got for that. But it, that was like 10 years ago, Daniel. You didn't move with the time, isn't it? You have to pay off a massive debt with a stadium. And you have a captain who doesn't want to be there. And it's quite obvious. Like Harry Kane, as much as I 
do not like the fella. By this stage of the season, he's usually scored, what, near 10 goals? And what if he scored one? And has he had any assists this season? Like, you've seen the way Harry Kane was last year with Son. He was double figures for assists, double figures for goals. He's been, he's been shocking. Stephen, you have your hand up. What's, what, what is the question, young, young fella? Oh, I don't have a question. I just want to point out before any Spurs players has replied to the podcast, Watford isn't in London, so Spurs are the worst club in London in Premier League. Just want to <laughs> Watford is technically not in London, so on a technicality, Spurs are the worst club in London. Thank they you. Are. They are. There's no doubt. I think here the I think I think the Newcastle point's interesting too, Johnny, because they're also linked with. Unai Emery, which means we'll have good e- evening back, which I'm, I'm fairly behind. Um, they're linked with him this afternoon. They're going to move quick on that. I, I can't tell if he was highly tipped uh, to possibly take over at Manchester United, but I don't think that's the case now. It, it, it's interesting like, what, where he goes next for this Spurs squad and what he does. There is the Harry Kane elephant in the room. and like Good luck to Harry Kane if he tells Conte he doesn't want to do anything. Conte just punch him in the throat. Um, which I'm all for as well, actually, I wouldn't mind seeing. Do you think, I, though, I it, it is a bit weird, though, like, he wants back Pochettino, right? Why yeah. does Conte think that Levy's going to back him? Yeah, that's... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a, I think Daniel Levy should be getting more heat than what he is getting, to be honest, if anyone was, really. Um, like, I spoke about it to someone earlier and I didn't record it but we talked about this and we talked about this potentially and like he he tried to get seven all I think it was seven all the choices and then he ended up landing on Nuno Espiro Santo. They they really tried for Hansi Flick and they didn't but they didn't go in hard enough and he was open for the job and then he went took the Germany job. They were offered Ten Hag but then they never came back in with a concrete offer of Ten Hag. Um, there was Sergio Conceição who's doing really well at at Porto. Again, they went in concrete offer. They 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 tried to get Caduso and the fans nearly rioted because of his some of the political statements he's made, which is fair enough for a the fans. And it's just like like they're almost reacting now. He's almost reacting to fans who there was it was pretty uh, recognizable and, and you could hear loud and clear how the fans felt on Saturday. Uh, afternoon when they were getting slapped by Manchester United and I think he made a change you're right he, he brought on Bergwijn from Mora instead of keeping Mora on bringing Bergwijn on for one of the defensive players because he went to a very defensive midfield that wasn't working and it's almost as if, as if then Spurs have just and Levy have gone oh they're not happy so bang out to go and I'll get Conte in to keep them happy again and it, 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 that to me is not a very stable and well-run club, and you're right. Like Conte's a brilliant manager. He he is. Like he's been very successful, obviously. But I think Steve made the point where you can see in maybe two years' time, Conte bouncing and going somewhere else, and then they're back in this again. So I don't know what you think, and maybe maybe someone like Graham Potter would have been a choice that Spurs should have looked at. I don't know if you think that or anyone anyone else you thought. It's definitely more of a um project um appointment as as Steve pointed out like um the, but sound like Graham Soon is here but I'll come back to it. Um <laughs> the right, the, the, <laughs> the thing was um the thing was Pochettino like Johnny said there about hindsight 
um, and Pochettino. And yes, obviously things have gone down the shitter since that. But even at the time, I think we were all saying, "What are they doing?" Like you know, because the the whole thing was um, that Pochettino was going to go to United and Spurs. Um, if they had have invested maybe you know half of what they need to invest now um for Pochettino. Um, you know, I think they could have gone on and won something. Um but the the decisions that be, that are being made right at the top and it, it comes back to Lavi like um just just aren't right. They just aren't good enough. And um when you see the the sort of decisions even being made at Arsenal, you can see now that they have Arteta. They've gone through some rough times. They've stuck with him, and you know, it looks like it's starting to to pay off for them. And you can see now the two clubs going in again, and as it usually does in North London, going you know in different trajectories. And, and Arsenal um, look like they're they're going to be firm much much better this season. The, on the pot point. Um when uh, the, the season before, I think it was, was 2015-6, that the season in 2017, um, Liverpool had just got back into the Champions League, and Poch felt that at the time that um, Liverpool and Spurs were neck and neck, and you know, he wanted to sign a few players, and they wouldn't back him, and Liverpool ended up signing in the space of a year uh, Van Dijk and Allison. And then obviously Fabinho, and that worked out quite well. And whereas I don't, I think didn't Spurs go through like a, almost three transfer windows where you didn't get anyone or something stupid. And mm, like too, that really yeah. has to be looked back upon as like one of the most idiotic things a chairman has done at a football club. It, it was that's a real sliding doors moment. It was right in the palm of his hands with Potts, and I know Johnny will probably say no to the Spurs, but it was right in the palm of his hands. We could have done something. And as a typical Johnny would say, Spurs behaviour, he fucked it up. He completely fucked it up. And now they're stuck here. So it's, it, I actually think they should go back and do another all or nothing on this Spurs now and their Conte and this whole disaster to see what's going on. I think it'd be great TV. Mm. They, they, need, they needed more of a Jurgen Klopp sort of character who's going to come in and build something over five, six years and Conte's not. And I don't think Conte has the players at Spurs the same way he had at Chelsea to really go on and make a serious impact on the top four. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how an Asian Spurs team does under him. Steve, can I ask okay. you a question? Yes. Why would you not want Conte at Man United? For exactly the reason I don't think he's a good fit for Spurs. It's uh, he's he's very much a come in two seasons and gone manager and you know you'd have had enough of those over the last seven or eight years um so i i, I think that's what you know the same thing spurs need you know you need which is someone to come in be given they don't need a budget because i think a lot of the players are there um but they need time and they need uh, an ability to implement the system and a philosophy um, and I think Conte, it, it, ironically enough, it is Conte's system that got, you know, the sack, uh, and Conte maybe his new job at the weekend. Um, but I don't know if that's permanently the right system for United to play, given that most of their strength is going forward. 
uh, to have only three attacking players on the field. Uh, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. So I think that's why he's 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 naturally not the right fit um, for the team. And I know people like, and I, I've said it before. Like one of the things I praised Tommy Tuchel for last year was like coming in and getting Chelsea right defensively. And we said we said it last year. Like if 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 the goals come, Chelsea are an absolute powerhouse and it'd be very hard to stop them. And that's what it's starting to look like um, this year. But at the same time. There's something weird about leaving so many attacking players on the bench, so many players that you've invested so much money in to keep Harry Maguire in the team. Um, it just feels like it, it was the right, it was a good result, but I just don't know if it was the right way about going about it. And I know he's done it against Man City before, and it's it's. It, I think he's won two games that he's played five at the back against City before, so. I wouldn't be surprised to see that um, against Atlanta and against City this week as well. Um, but I just don't feel like that philosophy is right. And it's it's not like it's not just a Ferguson thing. Like Manchester United, from from Mapples beyond, have you know have prided themselves on playing attacking football. They've consistently gone out and you know prioritised signing attacking players over defensive players and. You know, I, I would, I would always, always rather win a game 4-3 than 1-0. Um, and that might be just me. I might be completely in the minority on that, but I, I just find, like, I think they looked better defensively on, uh, at the weekend, but how much of that was down to Spurs being absolutely shite and how much of it was down to, like, a change of system. It's really, really difficult to tell. And I think, uh, this week, the next few games will will go a long way to saying how much of that was an United improvement um, and how much of it was the opposition. So I'd just be reluctant to go after a manager who has that as his philosophy. I just, I, it just doesn't sit right with me. Um, let's start with, with some more weekend roundup then. Johnny, Aaron Ramsdale at Leicester, talk to me. I'll see you. Unbelievable. Um, Somebody actually, who was it, Jason Cundy, actually said that. No, I didn't. Want, I didn't listen to Talksport, by the way. I just seen him tweet this. I was um, going to turn you off there. Yeah, I wouldn't have blamed you. He basically just said that it wasn't as good as what people are making it out to be. Um, well, he he is an actual wanker. Like he is. He if you look up <laughs> the word wanker in the dictionary, his fucking plastic face is beside it. So you know what I mean. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about him, sir. Well, no, I don't because Peter Schmeichel and David Seaman um, tweeted at the same time about it, and I mean Schmeichel's son is in the opposite goal, like which kind of made it a wee bit funny. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a great save. It was actually it was a great double save to get back up again and unblock Johnny Evans. Um, his distribution as well is just crazy. I didn't realise he had that in his locker until he obviously came to Arsenal. Um, but he obviously has made a big difference. He's part of the reason why this Arsenal are on a, a nine-game unbeaten run with four clean sheets. Like, if you'd said us, we'd have four clean sheets over that run of games. The way the season started, you know, it. I think it was Steve said about Spurs were top and Arsenal were bottom um, at the uh, the end of August, start of September. So it's it's a good turnaround. Um, Still a long way to go. Like Arsenal have a, a pretty tough run of fixtures coming up. Uh, Liverpool and Man United all, all in the next month. So um, they'll, they'll be proper tests. Well, 
test. Liverpool will. Yeah. Well, I don't. You know, you don't know what Man United will show up like that. And I know, I know they they had a good win there on on Saturday, but it was you know it was just Spurs lads, you know. So I was expecting United to win that one. But yeah, well, see, good, it, good run for it, Arsenal. Yeah. Atlanta will be a brilliant test for United. Is it tomorrow night? I think. Um, away. Mm-hmm. And as Steve said, he might go that formation again. So that that'll be like yes. Spurs up three 0 away, it's still a great result to take away from. But if they go away at Atlanta and they get a great performance or a great win, then um, yeah, they will. Be, look, the five 0 happened, but sometimes it can something can be born out of it. Like getting slapped, it can wake people up. Um, so we'll see. I'm plus Ferran's back, and that's gonna make a difference that night's for anyway. Um, talking about Conte, that that's um, I think it was a three 0 defeat to Arsenal that turned around Chelsea's yeah. season. He changed system. Um yep. and they won the league. So Steve, you're gonna win the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Dublin High knows, mate. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not sure if Manchester United will. Um Brandy, yourselves as well. Great great afternoon for Chelsea actually. Um at one point it was nil nil, I think Liverpool were winning, but City were getting beat and it was looking like it was going to go level and then Reese James arrived, sir. He's arrived. The the wing backs are um scoring all of Chelsea's goals at the minute. Um yeah. he he handed the baton, um Chilwell handed the baton across across the pitch to the other side. Um Yeah. Um I, I mean I think there's quite a few people getting carried away over the weekend. Um with the <clears throat> the results and how it went Chelsea's way. Um uh, I think you swiftly reminded me by sending me Chelsea's fixtures um, from the new year on. Um, <laughs> hang on, hang on, I have them here. You keep talking, I'll pull them up. <laughs> um, how much of a an actual long race this is. Um, they look good. Like the, um, you have to remember like the players who were missing too. Like obviously Lukaku, Werner, um, and Mount were all out of that game. Um, and I think. Um, they're going to be missing four or five for the for the Champions League game as well. So, um, it's good to see that they're getting goals from other areas in the pitch, which is sort of what Steve was touching on earlier. Like, um, Jorginho obviously was Chelsea's top goal scorer last season, and Tuchel just straight up came out with it uh, during the week of his presser. Said he, no offense to Jorginho, but I don't want him to be the top goal scorer this season. Um, so. Thought that was a bit harsh, but um, <clears throat> yeah, it's good to say that they're getting goals from other areas in the pitch. Um, the only thing that would slightly worry me is Havertz is is playing as a number nine, and um, in the seven nil and the three nil, the last couple of games he he hasn't got a goal. So um, I can see him starting against Malmo tomorrow night to to try and get him on the score sheet, just give him a bit of confidence. But I think he was good. I think he was good in both of those games, sort of um, linking up the play, even if he didn't get his goal. So. Um. Yeah, it was good. It was a long way to go. I'm sure you have those fixtures now, like they. Yeah, I've been waiting. Um. So after Boxing Day, Eagles Day, um, <laughs> Chelsea have Brighton uh away, then Liverpool, then City, then Tottenham, then Brighton, then Arsenal, then Palace, then Leicester. And uh, yeah, that obviously that that rolls on to the end of February. That's your your eight games, eight league games. That obviously looks yeah. daunting. But if Chelsea go into March still top of the league, 
having played run through all those fixtures, they're really in the business. Really yeah. in the business. Like that is that is the type of one you look at as a team you would look at it like um when you're going for the league title and going, Well, this is the block here that or one of the blocks here that if we can smash this and come out you're not gonna win every game obviously well if you do that's unreal and come out of it and still be ahead then you're right in the mix. Like or even even if you're not ahead, but even if you're like one point or two points or whatever behind whoever, you're right in the mix then. Like. And yeah. so it, it looks daunting, but um I actually sent it to you and at first I was like, geez, that's tough and then I was laughing. Like huh? Um but yeah, it looks daunting. But I mean this Chelsea side, the European champions, so they've proven they can go in and do running run of fixtures and I mean two chill he's quite the boy also. I think they'll be okay. But Chelsea did look really good and it was like, and I know it is like um I think was it one of our our brother in law or your brother was saying this about it yesterday? Um and we were, we were all talking about it. It's still a wee bit too early before you write anyone off. I think City were like seven or eight points back this stage last year. And then also they went on to win the league. We saw United have done it before. have come from way behind to win leagues. It can happen. Like So it is still very early. But it, I would, if it, if it was Liverpool, I'd still be buzzing. that We've got a little bit of a cushion now coming into the next international break. If we can win the next league game as well, stay in front. It's, it's those little small steps that... You hear teams talk about, don't you, where you want to get to here and stay here and move and move and move. So it's great yeah, weekend. The, the, and, and go ahead. The the, um, the defense is unbelievable. Actually, unbelievable. Like when you was listening to a few um, stats on it earlier on. Like I think it's the um, Salisco, the, the sort of the best start they've had since the record breaking season with the number of goals conceded. Only conceded. 15 that season under Mourinho and they've only conceded three in 10 games so like they're on course to be better and obviously you know they're probably not going to break it but like to be even be on that trajectory at this stage um is some some serious defending like there's um and I think a couple of go- those goals were penalties like so um it, it shows you that the base um it's all coming from the the defense like I think um something like five of the last six teams to uh, the least goals have won the league so um, it's obviously important you know not to not to be conceding heavily at this stage Do you think Christensen will get a new deal? Do you think they'll get that sorted? I mean it'd be ridiculously stupid not to do that um, I, I think that's the, more important than the Rudiger one to be honest Um he is like the stats that he has as well. Like, um, you know, with Denmark and Chelsea, the, the amount of clean sheets he has, um, and he's growing uh, as a player as well. Like, he's you can see his confidence is growing. He's getting, um, and I think it's obviously being helped by being right beside Thiago Silva and Rudiger. So, um, but he's so calm and he's a good footballer too. Um, and he's quick. Um, he, he's brilliant to watch. Um, and I think he had a great Euros as well, and he's just sort of rolled, um, rolled his form into this season. He's been fantastic, one of Chelsea's best players this season so far. At at Anfield then on, on Saturday afternoon, Liverpool raced into a two 0 lead, looked quite good for twenty five minutes. It goes then, okay, that got injured, and a Chamberlain came on for the assist, but they completely lost. I felt I felt quite sorry watching back on it for Jordan Henderson because 
I does a lot of running anyway, but he's having to do extra running because I, like the midfield is completely there's no control. Brighton's midfield of Alana, Basuma and Trossard were brilliant, like they had them on toast. Brighton really should have won this game. But a couple of big saves from Allison. And I just wonder what you thought about this now that like there's a lot of talk. I'll give my opinion on it in a minute, obviously it's a but there's a lot of silly talk that oh you see, this is why you should never let Wijnaldum go, which is fair enough. But they had eight midfielders there. Do you know what I mean? There, there was eight midfielders to pick from. So they had nine and let Wijnaldum go. Obviously, Shaqiri went as well. So it, I think it's very easy just to say, no, they should have kept Wijnaldum. That would have been the whole thing covered. I think it's maybe a wee bit more than that. I don't know what you think of that. What do you think of that, Steve? Um... No, I don't think that was the issue. Like you said, they 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 had plenty of replacements there. Just felt like one of those natural let-in games after a massive result, you know, the week before. And I don't think that's any harm. Um, it happens. Like it does happen. I thought I thought Salah was relatively poor compared to his form of of late. Yeah, he was really well shackled. I thought. Yeah. By... Yeah. And but you have to give credit to to, to Brighton for that. Like, um, oh, so I, I don't know. It's like you can't win every game. We've we've gotten <laughs> to the point over the last few seasons, especially with the way Manchester City and Liverpool have won the leagues, that the expectation is that they're actually going to go out and win every game, except the two games that they play against each other. Um, and I think that's 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 part of it. I I I wouldn't be getting too carried away. I think I think you're right. What you said in the intro. I think Liverpool in the end were actually lucky to come away with a draw. Um, and as the results kind of fell around them, a draw is is quite a decent actually result there. I think. Um, so yeah, no, I wouldn't be overly worried. I mean, if they were to repeat the performance again over the, you know, over a couple of games, maybe then you start asking the question why not? Yeah. But one game, nah, I think you're, I think you'll, you'll be fine. And I think as well, like Fabinho and Tiago are back. I don't think, I don't know if both of them will play on Wednesday night against Atletico Madrid, but they should be back in, and then hopefully not, they'll not be able to go on international duty. They'll get a run. Couple of weeks training and it'll be good to go for the Arsenal game and beyond. But I think like after the last national break, Liverpool's fixtures. If I said this to Brighton yesterday, I think it was if Liverpool can finish up on Sunday and they're still only three points behind Chelsea going into the national break or or better, but I think that'll be three points will be the outcome hopefully. Then I will be more happy with that with having come through Man United away, West Ham away. Obviously, Brighton at home was tricky. Watford away, then the Athletic Madrid twice. Win those, if you can win those Champions League, you can't be. You're right. Like we are so, not us. Just, I can't believe I'm saying this. We have seen have level heads on us, but there's <laughs> a lot of fans will look at this and go, "We fucked it. We, that's it. We fucked it. The league's gone because we didn't win our game." And that's why we were saying earlier. There's so so much more football to be played. Um, this year there's so much more can happen you know a, a team can get unfortunately a team can get a crucial injury to a player and that can snooker them or a team can go on a, an unbelievable run of games where just everything hits and everything strikes right for them and, that, and then they take off so you're right like and, and I, not, I wasn't worried about Saturday I, I didn't Brighton were, were very good very good in midfield I think Graham Potter we mentioned and his stock just keeps rising despite like I think they've drawn their last six 
not one in six games, but every game he plays. They get slapped for one by Man City, and next thing his stock rose because they actually did play quite well. It's it's mad, but um, they're a great team to watch, Brighton, and they did overrun the in the second. Half. I think with the addition of the two, hopefully with Fabinho and Thiago coming back, they can sort that out. They've played. It's interesting. They've only played eleven games together. Thiago and Fabinho, yeah, eleven games together, and they've won ten and drawn one. One can see the team scored twenty seven and conceded five. So there is a solidity there with those two. I think with Thiago and I've mentioned before, people are really guilty of you know thinking that he's going to do too much. I'm talking about Liverpool fans as well, thinking that he's going to be this all changing midfielder, this like whatever. But he does. Maybe you hear this in other sports. Steve, like he does the best before the magic moments yeah. that nobody pays attention to. Like the Leeds game, he never got mentioned for the Leeds game. Obviously, Harvey Elliott's injury took over a lot of that. Uh, and Sadio Mane having 3,000 chances. I mean, but Thiago didn't get mentioned, but Thiago was subtly just perfect. And every, he was there at the right moment, getting the ball, releasing it, getting the ball, releasing it, winning it back. He was perfect. Was, what Wijnaldum used to do, and go out of game. People think he'd be out of game when Alden, but he was there. He was just in the right moment to win the ball back, fired on someone else, and would go. And I think that's he's really, he, he can be really important. Last year we went to Old Trafford and won four two. His performance doesn't get mentioned because Salah scored twice. Um, Jota scored obviously. Ospina scored twice. Sorry, Salah and Jota scored different things. And Tegos doesn't get mentioned. But in that midfield that night, again Tegos doing those little things that you don't really pay that much attention to because it's not. You know, it's not the magic moments. Because you'll know yourself, Steve, the coach in American football, like some of your players will do something in a, in a defensive line or offensive line that are humongous, but nobody will pay attention to it because it's not the quarterback or it's not a sack. Oh, yeah. Like, not every receiver. time you see, like, you know, we digress too much. Every time you see a big run in American football, people go, oh, what a great running back. But it's actually the, the fat lads up front, the offensive line who've created the gap for him. Um, and I'm probably guilty of that with Thiago a little bit because I think the expectations when he came in to Liverpool because he got off to such a great start and then it just felt like those magic moments kind of drifted away from him a little bit but you're right like it's the stuff he does kind of away from that and I think he'll be a big kind of addition once he comes back I believe he trained this evening did he? So I mean Him and, him and Fabinho did yeah Yeah so that's obviously a massive positive like I think I think we're in for like the risk of like ruling City out, but like you know, City are capable of what happened at the weekend far too often. I think for real title contenders, um, I think we're in for a cracking title race between Liverpool and Chelsea. I do think it's Chelsea's to lose. Um, sorry, Brendan, for the kiss. Say that tomorrow. Yeah, after the kiss of death. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just think I just think that they are like they are a, a level above. The rest of the teams in the Premier League, um, and I'd be stunned if it wasn't those two. Dion City and Johnny, get you back in here as well. You can come in on City, lads. I want all three years' opinion on this. Do you think Kevin De Bruyne might need a break? Go, Johnny. Probably. I mean, we've spent a lot of football played over the last eighteen months. Um. And he looks like, like a ghost. Yeah, it's not like City are, are short of options. Um, I mean, they, they were they weren't great now on Saturday, but I think that was probably down to Crystal Palace being absolutely brilliant as well. 
Paddy V handling business. And you know what? It just it's you got just what you deserve, Steve, putting Phil Foden in your fantasy team. <laughs> I didn't put him in my he's in Brendan's fantasy team, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I did not check that fact before we started recording. I believe. Yeah, I'm saying. Bratton, you devil. You devil, you. <laughs> but, uh, I was slandered in the WhatsApp group, just so everyone knows. I was accused of trying to sign Phil Foden. Well, Absolutely, it didn't happen. You are very bold yourself in things that you say, so you deserve a bit of it back. What do you, what do you make, Bratton? Do you think... Uh, the reason why I mention this is Mo Salah talked uh, that long ago about how he got a break during the summer and now he's come back and um, unless you're Brighton or Brentford who have seen him as kryptonite, he's doing quite well and he looks really fresh and looks flying. De Bruyne has had some subtle moments in games but apart from that there he, he looks an absolute shadow of himself and I just wondered has he maybe because remember somebody broke his face in the Champions League final <laughs> Uh, like his face was broken. His face was broken, and then he came back in the play in the play in the Euros. Uh, had some great spells, but still wasn't himself. And I just, I just feel as well that he possibly needs to take an extended break for a couple of weeks, and then come back while City can, as Jonathan said, afford to maybe uh, leave him out for a bit. Um, yeah, probably. Um. He, he, he seems to be on the bench a lot this season. Like, um, like half of his appearances from the bench. Um, I I don't know. I think he's he's struggling a wee bit. It, yes, I think uh, there are um, perfectly good points you're making about um, being tired and um, probably overworked. Um, particularly last season, I think he was relied upon a good bit um, because Man City. Didn't even really play a striker last season. That you know, for the majority of of the games, um, but I think he's. I don't think he overly fits the the system without a striker. Um, if you know what I mean, like it, when you think of De Bruyne at his best, um, he's picking up the balls in the, in those sort of half positions, but between the um the halfway line and, and the box, and the amount of times you've seen him whip balls in to to a number nine area, um, I think he thrives more on that sort of a um, a system rather than um, you know pass to death. And I, I don't know if he's um, I don't know if he fits in with the uh, Foden, Grealish, uh, Morris, um type of system that City rotate a lot on those front three um, I just think he plays better with a focal point if that makes sense um, uh, I, think for exa- I think you're bang on there sorry go on I just wanted to say I think you're bang on because I think what's happened is since Greedish has come in yep. it is no, like they're too. sorry Brendan no no go, go ahead go ahead Steve all right, sorry. No, since Grealish has come in, their 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 play has just become so unstructured because that's where Grealish like kind of makes hay, and 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 it's the exact opposite of what makes De Bruyne such a good footballer is like he he has that focal point for his what his movement is completely reliant, as you said, on a number nine and a kind of target man, 
and without that with that kind of you know like almost like attacking by you know uh committee that city are trying to do at the moment he's the one that's edging out and it's really weird to me because technically and you know evidentially he's the best footballer a lot of them of all their attacking and 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 you know forward and midfield players and yet he's the one that the system is suiting least and this comes back to this point that we, we we're always making on this podcast about like about coaching to the quality of your players, not to the system that you want. And it seems like Pep has now fallen into that trap of, okay, I've got Grealish now. This is the way we need to play to suit Grealish. And what's happening is De Bruyne is is kind of almost falling out in the wash from that. Um and I, I, it's, I don't want to get into the, like, the Gerard Lampard thing, but it does feel a bit like that. Like, are, is it possible for them to play together? And I'm not actually sure it is. And, you know, I know they've just spent, you know, a hundred million on Grealish or whatever the, whatever it was, like the transfer fee, but I'd rather have De Bruyne. Like, I oh, really would. Like, it just seems so strange to me that, like, and Foden's a little bit the same. Foden, I, I don't know about what, because I'm kind of biased because I've, I've decided, you know, and I decided last year that I wanted the opponent <laughs> to fail. So I'm actually <laughs> looking for him to fail. He's going to win like four Ballon d'Ors too. It's going to be unbelievable. I hope yeah, it's not going to be rough. He should have won five. But um, <laughs> no, I, I feel like Foden is falling into the greatest kind of style of play because he's seeing it and he's going, okay, well, if he can get away with that. I'm going to try that. And it, the whole structure, everything that Pep has built his career about or around is now kind of falling away. And, and De Bruyne must be, you know, sitting there asking himself, like, why, why am I here anymore? Like, there is no point to Kevin De Bruyne in that Manchester City team anymore. Um, and that's mad to say because, like, just in last year, we were, would have been talking and, and have been for a few years talking about him as, you know, one of the best players in the world. Um, so it's odd to me that they'd 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 go so far away from what made them successful. And I know it's because they don't have an out and out striker, but go and fucking sign one. You've all the money in the world. Like yeah. go and get the player that you need to make your system work. Don't change everything for Jack Reedish, a guy who came from Aston Villa, and with all due respect, I mean was a big fish in a small pond and is now a medium sized fish disrupting all the other fish. This is a terrible analogy, I'm sorry. But like, <laughs> he's now the algae on the pond that's killing all the other fish. So they did try and sign a striker before, like. True. Yeah, but t- try and sign another one. Like you know what I mean? Like the you're you're one striker. You're not um using your best asset basically. Like yeah. he in in twenty nineteen twenty um I was just looking it up there. De Bruyne had twenty assists. Um and then when I um mentioned there about last year that they weren't really playing with the striker, but sometimes they were. He he only had twelve assists, and this year so far he has no assists, and that is what That's you can see him declining with city style changing, and it's like they're you we we can all see it before our eyes. Like yeah, I kind of forgot about De Bruyne this season because he's not being used. He, he's not um maybe being used as Phil said because he's he's tired and he's coming off the bench and you know he's there was one game in particular I can't remember what it was now but he he was doing so on De Bruyne things 
um, giving the ball away for for fifteen yard passes, and um, you know maybe he's mentally tired too, but he's he's not even doing the things we expect him um to do, which is over the last couple of seasons, um, because he can't, because there's there's not an option there to uh, for him to play those passes, um, so I don't know if it's a a stylistic thing that that Pep has gone away from on purpose, but um. It's certainly not not benefiting De Bruyne, and yeah, if City go on like this, it's not going to benefit them either. He's not, he's not, um, he's not vice captain anymore. Did you know that? He lost that uh, at the start of this season. He's fourth on or fifth, fourth or fifth in the pecking order now. Uh, the players and staff vote for it at Man City, and it's Fernandinho again, and then it's Ruben Diaz. And then I think it's Ilkay Gundogan. So De Bruyne has went from captain in City in a Champions League final to not being one of the vice captains. And maybe there's something else going on. Well, you wonder too, like, has that really pissed him off? Maybe we we also don't know. And you wonder too, like, I get the feeling from De Bruyne when I look at De Bruyne too. It's not just the way he sort of runs about and he stands. But there's a Gerardness to De Bruyne. Where there is an ego there, maybe we we don't hear enough from him so you see it. But you know, Gerard needed Gerard needed his ego stroked quite a bit, and I don't know how him and Rafa needed to get on so well like they did because obviously Rafa wasn't going to do it, and um, but he some other managers did do him whatever. And that's why Gerard didn't always talk lonely about Gerard Julia because Julia just adored him and and whatever. And I think there's a, maybe there's a touch of that. Could there be possibly a touch of that in De Bruyne where he's like, oh, hang on a minute, you know. I'm the best player here. I was vice captain. I was captain of the Champions League final, and I am not. Like, what is going on? And you wonder too. Has that upset him and affected how he's getting on? Well, we know from Raheem Sterling that like Pep alienates his own players, and then it doesn't seem to matter how good or bad that player is. He if he decides that they're not the guy for him anymore, then you know he literally <laughs> pushes them out the door. Like, I mean, so. Uh, uh, yeah, I just think it's bad man management. I think for all he's done in terms of, you know, coaching and, you know, improving the game, well, improving the game in, in quote marks, I, I'm not sure. But like for all he's done uh, for football, like the one thing we know about Pep is he's not a, a, a good man manager. Um, and I would think that this is just another example of him having an issue with De Bruyne, having an issue with trying to fit De Bruyne, Grealish and Foden in the same team, and doing absolutely nothing about trying to resolve that issue from a personnel point of view, and trying to resolve it tactically, and that's just not working. Like, it's just not working at all. Um, so, uh, yeah, like... It feels like we're towards the end of the Pep project at City anyway, doesn't it? Like, I mean, maybe that's just me, but it, it certainly feels like we're in the twilight of it anyway. Um, sure. See if we are. I would still have Mancini above Pep as a City manager because Mancini did it first. Well, he didn't win the Champions League and that's what he was brought in to do. So you have to see it as a, as a failure. So that's that's literally why he was signed. He was signed because they thought he would bring Messi to the club and Messi would get in the Champions League and neither of those things happened. So I think he it, it, it feels almost inevitable to me that Pep has one last hurrah as 
PSG manager and doesn't win the Champions League there either. And that's the last we hear of Pep Guardiola as a as a football manager. Um, I think I think he'll manage Brazil because he's mentioned it. I know he said the last time it was mentioned he said that his words were uh, uh, mixed. But he has mentioned a few times now that he'd love to manage Brazil, and I think he'll possibly manage Brazil or at an international stage. But I think you're right. Like it, it does feel like this is coming to basically I'm going on a 30 game unbeaten streak here. Um, it does feel like it's coming to an end, like at the at his city project. And I don't know. I I don't know any city fans. Like I don't know. Is there how much love there is for him? Because you know there is for Mancini. Um, but how much love there is for Pep, or whether it's just like, oh yes, you know, it's a weird one. That city, like it is, it is a strange one. And look, if Kevin De Bruyne, <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne wants out of City, he can head right over to Liverpool and in that midfield any day he wants. <laughs> any day he wants. We well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make. Is is he not going to run into the same issues there? Like, it, there's no clear like target man for him. Uh, at Liverpool because everyone wants to be a winger at Liverpool uh, it feels like there's not like like, like it, obviously it works at Belgium because Lukaku is there maybe Chelsea De Bruyne back to Chelsea oh it's not what you were saying though <laughs> uh, I think we've enough <laughs> uh, Ruben off the cheek is the next De Bruyne I think uh, yeah I, I, I think if he does go wherever he, he'll, he'll go wherever he wants really. like if he if he is looking out and, and Real Madrid transfer to be done. Yeah, he'll go somewhere and you know, um the Real Madrid could possibly do with him going into their midfield and, and they might have Mbappe next year for him to aim uh, passes to but or Haaland. Um so yeah we'll see how that goes. But it is strange. I, I do think and like I, I don't I don't we saw was um uh, Calvin Ridley uh Steve's took time out. Yeah. Um Who's he with again? Uh, my mind's gone blank. Zach Falcons. Um, he's taking time out, obviously, uh, take a break. And I don't, I don't, like, when you see people do this, you always see the knobheads come on and say, he's getting paid millions. How, who's he think he is? But it's, like, you can get paid all the money you want, the world, you, all the money in the world you want. You can't control your brain. Yeah. Alright, you can't, you can't, like, it, your brain has thought whatever. So I, I, I do look at some of the players and, and De Bruyne does look like someone that potentially needs this, this neck national break where he's not picking up for Belgium. He's two weeks at home and he recovers and then he comes back in and he's got a bit, a bit more energy. There is other players as well. Possibly think like just take a bit of a break and you've done so much. So like we saw Sergio Aguero has now been diagnosed with a heart condition. He also could took off the other night because he's feeling chest pains. There's a lot going on still as well. Football. And I, I think it's, it is viewed in sports still for some reason like you're weak. If you admit that you need to take a break, it's it's awfully daft. Um, but I do think De Bruyne is one to watch that this season still just doesn't look like it's all clicking for him. On Aguero, right? Obviously, I hope he feels better soon. Oh, here we go. No, no, no. But like, it just it encapsulates what a shit show Barcelona are at the moment, right? <laughs> so they signed Aguero to get Messi to stay. And since they signed Aguero, Messi has left. Aguero's got injured. He's come back. He's lasted 41 minutes. Had a cardiac event. He's out for three months. They sacked the manager and they're ninth in the league. Like, I mean, as, as signings go, less than ideal. I think it's great then. 
I think, is there anything else you'd want to touch on this evening before we finish up, sir? We're definitely still recording, um, aren't we? Still recording, <laughs> uh, Jonathan, yeah. Good. We, I can confirm that we definitely are still recording. Um, West Ham, maybe? Oh, yes, West Ham. Flying. They're Absolutely. Like, Liverpool play them on Sunday, and I know you may hate it, but Deco Rice looks like he's quite the midfielder, lads. Yeah. He's look good in 4-1 win, isn't he? Well, he's, he's the only England starter from the Euros. I mean, there's some squad players do balance play quite well. At, at the Irish. Yeah, well, there's that too. Um, that has actually kicked on from the Euros and has kicked on again. So, I mean, he's done really, really well. Um, so, a lot of them have seen the struggle, whereas he seems to be getting better and better. Yes, obviously went four one as you said. Steve, is he looked he, he looks like quite the midfielder. I I can't figure out David Moyes, right? <laughs> he 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 was a good manager at Everton. He looks a bloody great manager at West Ham. <laughs> what happened at Manchester United in the middle? He was shite in between. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that at all because I think West Ham a are playing really good football. I think they're they're yeah. they're they're. they're enjoyable to watch like they're still not like they're not necessarily appointment you know viewing the way Liverpool are or whatever but they're still good to watch like you will enjoy watching that West Ham yeah. games uh, the same way Arsenal are actually now to be fair to, to Johnny and because and, obviously he's responsible for it not Mikel Arteta but like <laughs> obviously I, I obviously do now. yeah you know I have to say it like but like I do, I do enjoy watching West Ham play, and but there's times I think to myself watching them, you know, Jesus, why would be great at United, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't. I've been there. I've done that. I know, I know. Like I think he is. He is. He encapsulates. He is one of those people. So, do you know, in like a normal job, like non-football related, someone is really, really good and. And excels at like mid management, and then they get promoted to a top job, and they're fucking useless. And yeah. that's what you know. David Moyes is the middle manager who should never get promoted above that because that's where his level yeah. is, and he's really, really, really good at that level. And you know what? There's an absolutely brilliant career to be made. Getting West Ham into the Champions League would be a phenomenal achievement. Um, what yeah, he should go manage Spurs then. He probably should. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe that's the the, the 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 person for Spurs. But yeah, I I just think it's. I think Antonio is one of those players that is going to get a move away, um, and it'll be interesting to see then what happens to the team from there because he's such a focal. I know he didn't he didn't score at the weekend, but like he's normally such a focal point of that attack. Um, I think it's only Salah has more goals or assists in like. The last two seasons, that right, Phil? You probably know. I thought I heard that on the radio commentary yesterday. That only Mo Salah has more goals and assists in the last two seasons than um, than Antonio, Michael Antonio, um, which kind of rings true to to like anyone who's kind of watched West Ham. He seems to be always involved uh, in the goals. But I think it, it it goes back to like you know, we were talking less than two months ago about Arsenal and, you know, flirting with relegation and stuff like that. Now, Arsenal are left on points with Manchester United, you know, in fifth and sixth place, West Ham are fourth. There's between the likes of West Ham and Brighton, I would say, there's probably a sheet of paper between them all, like in terms of 
you know, their expectations for the season and their, their, their quality, um, or where they might finish. And I think West Ham right now seem best placed with a lot of them to kind of, you know, maybe go grab that fourth spot. But I think. They could end up fourth this weekend after Sunday. Jesus. They they, they beat Liverpool and, you know, beat. Of course, no. They're fortnight. Yeah, yeah, sorry. End of they second. Can end up, they can end up second. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if, if um, this is like, and do you know what? Fully deserved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. a fluke. Like they're they're flying, and, and they're they're also great to watch in Europe. And we've said it before. I certainly said before that stadium when they first moved in. I was like, that is stinking. Too far away. How are you going to get an atmosphere here? I I kind of wanted them relegated to see how they get on in the championship with like twenty fans coming in to watch in this massive stadium. And I turned it around. It was the other night they were playing um, Man City in the Carabao Cup, and the place was absolutely bouncing, and it looked like a proper, really good atmosphere. There's been credit there too. I think West Ham's story is a great one. I would be like, I, I would be, you know, be shocked now if they did manage to puncture puncture holes and get into the top four. But the police for them too. But certainly they can, they can give that Europa League a right rattle. I think this season. No one yeah. wanted to face them really, like coming through, especially uh, not there um, with Antonio. The um, they did this last season too. I think the the started so hot, um, and they were up there. Were the top for a while or second? Um, and after Christmas they fell away. And that, if they do stay in the Europa League, that's surely gonna happen again <clears throat> because the, just the squad's not used to it. I think I can stick see them sticking around for a good while. Sort of in the top four, top six um, argument um, until the turn of the year, maybe. Um, the other thing is if they if they lose Antonio uh, for a period of time, or if they lose Rice, um, I can see them running into difficulty. Suchak's goals have completely dried up as well from from last season. Um, that would be my only worry for them, but. But they look class, yeah. and I agree they're they're really good to watch. Daglan Rice has lost the ball once in nine hundred minutes of football. By the way, just thought I'd let you know that. <laughs> oh no, I'm not looking forward to the weekend now. <laughs> um, I will never give Daglan Rice the credit. He probably <laughs> for very obvious reasons. The only <laughs> reason I would was Captain because I want him to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the, the thing is, like, it, it feels, it feels like there is such a clamor among Manchester United fans because, like, Rice feels like the, and so many players have felt like this, but Rice feels like the missing piece of, of that midfield, uh, yeah. for United. Um, but at the same time, like, there's so many other issues there as well. Maybe one for small <laughs> one missing piece. Um, I think that'll do it. Fred Rice. Uh, oh my god, Fred, Fred Rice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. If they sign Jackson Rice and they still play Fred, then good fucking luck to them. I reckon Fred has something on the board. He has to. It's the only explanation. Oh, the nudes he must have on his phone must be wide. <laughs> it must be absolutely insane. I think that'll do us uh, for this week. We managed to do and record this podcast, yeah. Um, Myself and the, the Bold Mud will be back on Thursday for a Thursday Night Battle. But if you want to catch this one out, check all our podcasts, just all on your usual podcast apps, look for the Football Babble. Um, get us on all your socials, Instagram and Twitter, again, Football Babble. And Brett and the Patreon. 
Patreon.com forward slash football babble. You did that as your yawn to fair play. Yeah, folks, thanks for listening. See you all again during the week and enjoy the European football coming up. Good luck. All the end. Yeah.